Hi, and welcome to Dude, Let's Make a Podcast, the podcast I made so I have an excuse to have some cool conversations. My name is Jahan, and today's episode is a little bit different. This was one of the earlier episodes I recorded, and it's very focused on the video game Destiny. So if you don't know the video game, you might find yourself quite lost, but if you still want to give it a listen, please feel free. So without that little disclaimer out of the way, here we go into the episode. So yeah, and uh, I've got with me today Ian, who is the brother of a friend of mine who I now know better than their friend. <laughs> so, so Ian, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit and tell us about your Destiny experience. Okay, uh, my name is Ian. I've been playing Destiny 2 for about, is it three years? Two, two years, let's say. Okay, so um, the first time I ever heard of Destiny was from a YouTuber. Um, his name was I Hate Everything. He made uh, a very interesting video about Destiny 1 and how he was, like us, uh, big fans of the game. Gave a very interesting context. He called Destiny 2, or Destiny, original Destiny, the organized mess. Yeah. Yeah, so, I think that's a good way to describe Destiny 1. Yeah, so that's the first time I ever heard of Destiny. And mm-hmm. I was interested because his video was very appealing since mm-hmm. I've been a fan of Halo for a very long time. About few, maybe a few months later, I mm-hmm. saw that, oh, Destiny, there was Destiny 2. Since I was playing mm-hmm. Overwatch, I saw in the Battle.net. Uh, Destiny 2 had its beta. Mm-hmm. So I decided to give it a try, and I really liked the beta. But mm-hmm. I didn't move, I didn't follow along to buy the whole game because I was still quite young at the time, didn't have much money. Mm-hmm. So after that, a few a year passed, two years passed, and Destiny 2 was free on Battle.net. And I decided to pick up the game with a few friends. So yeah, we you, played you the came, game. You came in with the with the with the whole new light, right? When they made like the the base game Osiris and Domain free, right? Yes, yes. With the okay. Fors- then I decided to buy Forsaken after playing it for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of my friends dropped off the game because they didn't really. At at some point, we played for a long time and they didn't enjoy the end game loot grind. But I mm-hmm. stayed with the game for. For a few reasons, mainly because I really like the graphics and the art style, and mm-hmm. I also have, I also met you, Jahan, and mm-hmm. a bunch of friends where you could play together. So yeah. after that, that's where my interest in the game peaked, where I was participating very vividly and actively in the uh, all the expansions to come, up yeah. till now. So you know, I, I, I find it I find it so funny that I think of like the our regular Destiny 2 group, I probably play with like you and Colin the most. And like to this date, I think I've probably I probably talked to you for like easily over like hundreds of hours at this point, but I've only like seen you in person for maybe a grand total of two hours. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's where this comes in to bring us together. <laughs> Definitely. So again. yeah. Okay, cool. So like um all right, so yeah, I think that's like a pretty good it's a good summary. Like you know, so like we both come from like very different points of the game. So that I find it so fascinating that like you know there's so much of it that you and I like it overlaps in the way that we like it. Mm-hmm. So I I think I think I'd also add that like um like apart apart from me, one thing that you've really gone into that I didn't go into until recently is like the PvP side of destiny. Like you've actually grinded out all the crucible pinnacle weapons. Yeah, I'm not proud of it, but it's <laughs> Is one thing that was spoiled by making the game free. Like, mm. what I feel, which is not really uh, a very good outcome, is that they mm. should have made it free for, for a couple weeks again. Mm. And made the base game cheaper still. So mm. maybe, like, make it free for two weeks where people can pick it up for free. And mm. after that, maybe, like, midway through Shadowkeep, they yeah. make it 20 bucks. Mm. So... You get all the riffraff out that just wants to like mess mess around hack in the game in Crucible. Mm. And then you have people who are actually interested in playing the game. So they mm. pay the twenty bucks. And it's not an exorbitant price like, you know, back then it was sixty-five bucks plus mm. all the money for the expansions, right? Yeah. So I feel that would have been a better alternative to New Light. Even though I think New Light of of course has like inflated their player base by a very substantial amount. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, yeah. like, like I think I think you're you're like referring to basically like the whole influx of like cheaters that's currently undergoing, right? Yeah, it's, it's half the reason I stopped playing Crucible. The other mm. half is that I wasn't, I'm not motivated enough to change with the meta. So yeah. like I, in essence, I don't like the Crucible, mm. but I like, I like the weapons that come from it. So I decided to just grind and like hone my skills. Uh. 
back then, and it was easier back then because everyone, uh, more or less, was very. They weren't so like, um, hell bent on winning. You know, there was still mm. a bit of uh, banter in between teams, like even in competitive. You know, like yeah. like someone emotes, uh, the whole team emotes when they get. Uh, flawless wipe, and then yeah. when you do like, it to the other team, you, you emote again. You know, it's it's like a friendly yeah. kind of like battle. You know, but now everyone just like runs around. If you teabag them, they will hunt you down and teabag yeah. you back. Like, it's, like I, I remember, uh, I remember in like the I think in, in pre Forsaken or early Forsaken days, like there used to be this group that would make you uh crucible videos where they would just go just go full on meme. They would like go like six people all use Red King, and like yeah, uh, I, I, I miss I miss those times. Yeah. For those listeners that don't know, Red King is this gun that basically gets better the more of you that use it to get use it. But the catch is you have to be near someone else that uses it as well. So it was it was hilarious to see six people bunched up in a player versus player map, just going around like like a pack of rats literally to kill it kill other people, just to make the most out of this this tiny tiny stupid little weapon. But yeah, it was it was hilarious. I, I miss I miss those kind of videos as well. Yeah, it's not, now you can't do that because like those people who play Crucible are the people who only play the Crucible. So mm. they're very not fun to play against be- yeah. because they are so they're so good at the game. Mm, I, yeah, I would say though, like so. So for me, it's like now I'm getting into Crucible this year, right? Like I never, I never really went into it before, and uh, the reason I started is because um, they cancelled the pinnacle weapons. So like you know, since I, I had nothing else to grind for, so I had to try and grind out some of the Crucible pinnacles. And I, I don't know, like I, I started to actually find find it oddly enjoyable, like. Like before, I started going to Crucible. Like I really didn't care that much about like weapon stats and things like that. But in Crucible, like I really feel those differences and so on. Like you know, especially with like say, the famous like hand cannon like spare rations versus using something else. Like you really do feel that difference in game. And it, I, I mean, I know like it's definitely a lot more toxic now than it was before. But there is still like this sort of like feeling of reward, you know, when you go through it and like you get better and you can consistently kill people and things like that. Yeah. I feel that that mm, interest yeah. in weapon stats, yeah, it it, it definitely comes from Crucible. Cause mm. the moment I got the recluse, like I grinded it out and I mm. managed to get it, I realized how overpowered it was. And mm. then after I got all the other Crucible pinnacles, it just opened my eyes. You know, like mountain top. You know, it's it's they're so good. But you know, the thing about Crucible is that. The more, you play, the, the more you play, the more you play. It's the same thing with like when, like I said just now, I started Destiny. It's like there's a peak of enjoyment for Crucible, and mm. it just goes downhill from there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get, I get it. So, let's let's zoom back a little bit out, right? To like, uh, to, you know, the the parts that sort of retained us with Destiny, like you know, like those areas that like we initially stayed for. Because I don't think you or I like stayed with Destiny at the beginning for Crucible. I, I don't I don't think I know anyone that came into Destiny purely for Crucible at the beginning. Yeah. So like um so yeah like like you mentioned earlier like you know you started with like a bunch of friends, you know, and like a lot of them dropped off. So like so even before me though, like you were still playing and you were still doing some stuff. So like what kept you going even when a lot of your friends didn't want to get forsaken? Like why did you get forsaken before you knew like you had people to play with, for example? So actually, I think one friend got forsaken before me, and I was okay, sure, because like at that point I was quite into the game. I I finished the main campaign, I finished Warmind, I think, and yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm willing to pay more for extra content because the package they advertised was quite uh, attractive. Mm. So I decided to get forsaken, and I really like the campaign for Forsaken and everything. Even though I knew what, what was going to happen, because that the YouTuber I said that made the video, he did make a episode on when Forsaken came out. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he critiqued it in a way where uh, he said that it was, wasn't the best story, but it was better than base Destiny. So I was like, okay, cool. So <laughs> I, I, I know that fact. And my, I decided my, my base, did he mean like Destiny 1 or Destiny 2? No, uh, the, the base Destiny 2. Okay. Because he he did critique like both stories in the fact mm. that uh both of them weren't very there are a lot of loopholes they weren't very good but like you know I I like I like that sense of completion uh, when you finish the stories. Yeah, I I I, can, I think I get what you mean. Like like recently like I've been recording some footage for like um, a Destiny two video that I'm making, and uh, part of the footage I needed was I needed to record some cutscenes. So I hopped in and like um, the only mission available that day with the cutscene 
was the last mission from Forsaken, the one where you go after Aldrin. Yep. And like, and, and I think, I think like, yeah, like what you say, like, you know, Forsaken really is Bungie at, at like their absolute best, you know, in what they do. Yeah. And just the whole, the whole way that mission is constructed, it's like, even, even as you go through it, right, even though the whole mission is only really like one cutscene at the end, but just like that first time you're going into this tower, you know, and this tower has completely unique architecture, a completely unique visual style, right? Like you're just so wrapped in awe at like what what is still left in this expansion, even though you're supposedly, you know, at the air quotes end of it. With Destiny, they've really got the visual storytelling down really, really well in terms yeah, of stuff the, like that. The you have to give credit to the art and music team. They really make they make the game what it is, you know. Like like where this game really captured me was the skyboxes and environment. They look absolutely yeah. stunning. Yeah. Like you will you will go out to, like maybe you're flying to Titan, you know, and you see mm. the rain, the waves, everything, how the little tendrils from the hive are shaking off the the big hole yeah. in the middle. Okay, it, yeah, okay, okay. It gives you a lot to think about, a lot to wonder, like, oh, what's going on here? What I can see all these things, right? So I want to find out more, you know. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent, and I and I think you know, like, this might be a controversial opinion because I know people have very strong thoughts on like the Destiny story. But even though I'm a big fan of Halo, I think Destiny's story is much better than Halo. Because, like, like Halo, Halo told the story, like, you know, and, and like, I mean, Halo, Halo is a good storytelling device because you follow this one person, like Master Chief, right? And how he interacts and how he affects the people around him. It's a very um, sort of standard narrative, right? And then with Destiny, Bungie went to a different kind of narrative style, right? That you are one guardian amongst many. And I think one thing they've always struggled to is trying to balance that sense of, like, you know, single-playerness versus the sense that you're a part of a community. I think that's where they've struggled a lot. But yeah. I think, like... It's not easy. Like, in, mm, it's not. Definitely not. But they really have got the, like, the world down. Like, the world of Destiny, right, is, like, not only more beautiful than the world of Halo, but it is so much more complex, nuanced, and intricate than Halo ever was. Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, even let's say you compare, like, like two, two similar races, right? Like, in Halo 1, the big threats was the Flood, right? Right, the Flood were this, like, parasitic alien race that were trying to consume the universe, right? And then in Destiny, you have almost literally the exact sort of equivalent, which is the Hive. But yep. the Hive are so much more creepy than the Flood because, like, the, the Hive are just something that, that is completely alien in nature by every means possible, you know? Like, like, the, like the, the, the Flood were an infestation, but the Hive are just something else. Like, the way that they change their environments, right? Like, I think it's another thing as well that they do really well. Like, you know, whenever you're in, like, a Vex environment or a Hive environment, it is so obvious and it's so distinct Very to distinct, tell yeah. what it is. Mm. And, like, yeah, and I think, I think like, so I think in that aspect, the storytelling in Destiny, I think, is, is much better than Halo. Like, you can see how they evolved from Halo to Destiny, and they're still trying to struggle with that balance. And I, and I hope they get it eventually. Like, I think Forsaken, Forsaken managed to hit that kind of sweet spot, right? That with Forsaken... From a single player point of view, you were like the sole guardian trying to avenge like Kate Six, right? That was killed yep. by Aldrin. But at the same time, they brought in that community aspect with Riven. That like after yep. so like the whole of Forsaken took place in like the Tangle Shore, right? And then the, all of the end game and all of the Riven stuff took place in the Dreaming City. But in the Dreaming City, it, like the whole narrative there is that you, you you're not you're not like the god killing guardian. You are just a guardian. And as part of being a guardian, you're trying to do your best to like break the curse to kill Riven and things like that. And even yep. when they did, even when they did kill Riven, they had that awesome cutscene like you know, like these six guardians were the ones that took her down and made all the sticks influence. And I think I think that's a good a good sort of balance towards it. You know, like you still got to make your players feel powerful, but you also want that sense of community. So like I I hope I hope they get it more often. But I completely agree with you like and the and the YouTube world. You know, I think Forsaken really was the the peak in terms of storytelling and getting that balance. Yeah, definitely. I would say that, okay, I half agree with you with the Halo sentiment, but mm-hmm. it's mainly because I'm thinking about Halo 4. Okay, so, so let, let's talk about uh, Bungie Halo and yeah. how it evolved to Destiny. So uh, Bungie Halo was ended at Halo 3, right? So mm-hmm. they had a story to tell, they told it really well. Halo 1, Halo 2. You know, this big mm-hmm. badass uh, destroying everything in his path for a reason, you know, he wanted to save humanity, you know? Yeah. So it's a, it's a more linear story than Destiny can ever be because mm-hmm. of the extent of the universe of Destiny. Like, a lot of people say that, oh, Destiny would be so much better if they integrated more lore, you know? But I, I, don't, I don't agree with that because the lore is lore, you know? Like, like, it's the same as, like, Star Wars, like, Extended Universe. It's, it's kind of 
difficult to just jam all that information in instantly, you know? Yeah. Like after especially after the Red the Red War uh, mm. campaign. Everyone's saying, oh, they should uh, have more law in and you have Curse of Osiris where <laughs> it just made it was didn't really make sense. Like like yeah. for people who don't who not uh very versed in the in the uh law side of Destiny where like, oh yeah. who, who the heck is this like stupid warlock that's messing everything up, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. they, they they did listen to community, they did try to capture the essence of uh, Extended Universe plus what we already know and love. Mm-hmm. But uh, it didn't really work out that way because of the way Destiny is designed. Mm. And then, like, 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 in, what, like, in what sense do you yeah. mean the way Destiny is designed? Like, uh, designed in the way that uh, uh, it's a game where most of the story is told through visuals, like, like you said. Yep. Mm-hmm. So through that, we can see Osiris, we can see Infinite Forest, everything, you know? It's, it's an interesting concept. Yeah. But in the core gameplay, it becomes a bit bland. Like, like you know, in writing, you can make everything very flashy, very uh, defined, you know? But mm. in the gameplay, it doesn't seem very interesting when you're... Like, like to an extent, like, it doesn't seem interesting when you're in there. That's what I feel. Because, like, mm. after you're in there for a long time, it gets repetitive. Mm. And it's yeah. like, oh, oh, this place was hyped up so much. It's like, well, you know, what was the point of me being here anyway? Mm, yeah, fair, fair, fair enough. It's it's like, um, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. You're, you're you're basically talking about the fact that like Bungie has this whole massive amount of lore, right? And that yeah, it's like lore is not going to be accessed by every player and things like that. And yeah. you can't just write and execute things based on the assumption that players know this, right? Yeah, you can't you can't force people to like want to know more. You have to make them actively look out for more information yeah i i think actually actually on that note right i think one thing the like they i think they learned their lesson with osiris because like in my opinion i think they executed like season of dawn really well with saint 14 yeah yeah yeah, that, yeah like like, mm, like like saint 14 was like really similar to osiris in that sense that like prior to actually meeting him he had only been this figure in the law that was legendary and so on like he, he was a little bit better known than osiris because he had that item named after him right the helm of saint 14 yeah. But apart from that, he was basically as obscure as Osiris. But then, like, um, the, the season of Dawn rolls around, and they do a much better job of introducing him, right? That, like, they, they start out with, like, the fact of, like, you know, like, he's gone and things like that. And I think another thing as well that they did much better with um, with uh, Saint-14 was that they really made use of everything that they had, right? That, like, from, from like, the whole the whole pre, pre-game, pre like, the, the, the trailers and the marketing campaign that led, led up to it, right? You know, it was oh, like what was the tagline they using? Like, you know, like like save a legend or something like that, right? Yeah. Mm, and and I think that was good because then like when the expansion actually rolled around, like we had two questions. Like, you know, number one, how do we save him? And number two, why is he a legend? And yeah, like, yeah. Uh, mm, and and in both cases, you know, they really did their best to try and show us, you know, why that was the the case. Like, you know, like the first time we we meet him, like in game, we see like he's the sole person like surviving against like this armada of uh fallen, right? And um and even though like we do save him from that, like like there's still this sense because I mean okay, to be fair, the voice actor behind him is phenomenal. Like yep. absolutely phenomenal. And I think that made a big difference as well into how he was. You know, you know, on a, on a quick tangent, it's really funny, right? Okay, so for those that are not too acquainted with Destiny, right? Destiny's got a few different races. The primary ones being human, awaken, and exo. So human is what you expect. Awaken are basically awoken are basically humans that have been changed by the energy of the universe. And Exos are basically human souls put in robots. So two of the game's most famous characters, right? Saint 14 and uh, and Kate 6, right? They are Exos and they are like and they are two of the most fascinating and funniest characters in the game. And I find it so, and I find it hilarious that they're both Exos. <laughs> like you know, uh, like the most human characters are the robots. robots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So so yeah, but uh, yeah, but going back a bit, I think, yeah, so I think. Bungie is sort of getting back a bit on track and like I think Saint 14 was a great way to execute their their deep lore, you know. Um yeah, on, on that note actually, you know, I saw I saw an interesting video. I think it was by either I think Millennial Games or My Name is Bife, and they were talking about how you manage anticipation, you know, and why there was an issue with like Aldrin versus Saint 14, right? So let's say like Saint 14. Like, you know, if you think of a graph of like excitement over time, right? With Saint 14, it starts out really low because you only see him in the lore. Right, and then and then the first time that the excitement spikes is when you find his tomb in Curse of Osiris, right? And then and then in that tomb you find that the promise that the developer makes to you that at some point in the future you will give Saint Fourteen that shotgun, right? 
So yep. that's a developer promise to you that you're going to see him someday. But at the same time, that promise is left very open-ended in an understandable way because like time travels involved, so we have no guarantee of when that's going to happen, right? There's no urgency for that to happen in any shape or form. So when it does happen, it's a big surprise to all of us because like, it's something that we didn't expect to get. But then you compare that to like Aldrin, right? So at the end of Forsaken, like, you know, Aldrin is responsible for everything. And our, and our character, as well as um, Petra, kills Aldrin, right? And then halfway through the Dreaming City endgame, we find out that Aldrin has been resurrected as a guardian with no memories of who he was. And then there's literally nothing, right? And, and I think that is what's surprising to us because typically, like from what we know of guardians, when they spawn or when they are created, they are brought to the tower straight away. And Bungie has hyped up this whole thing that the person that becomes the next Vanguard is the person that killed Kate, which is Aldrin. So I think, like, you know, like, in terms of that as well, like, storytelling-wise, you, you, you got to have, like, you know, if you have a smoking gun, you got to show us what was shot, right? Yeah. So, the yeah, the so thing I, about the second yeah. is that uh, at the ending, the, the only thing I don't like is how they handled the final boss fight. Because so, so you, you mean the, the voices of Riven, Riven, is it? The big eyeball? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't like that you fought the eyeball only. Like, I would rather they have done, like, oh, so you you fight Aldrin first, you know? Since he's the yeah. big, big bad, you know? He's the one yeah. that, 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 that put the trigger, you know? And then the Eye of Riven come, comes out, and then you kill it. It will make way more sense mm. in, the whole, in the grand scheme of things. That's the only part of Forsaken yeah. that I didn't really understand. Actually, actually, for me, I'm I'm okay with that because like um, although although this this might be coming from like Destiny One as well that like, so so in Destiny One like um, Aldrin was one of the very few characters to actually have a personality, but his personality was like he was completely obsessed with his sister from Destiny One days. Mm. So like so for for me to see him go so obsessed and literally like give up his life for the chance to resurrect her, that's very in character for me to see, and and like I think I'm I'm much happier seeing like his pride broken by himself than us doing it because the dude was so easy to hate in Destiny 1. I feel I feel like the reveal that oh Riven was controlling him the entire time, you know, it, it kind of invalidated like what he's done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he I, thought he thought he was doing it for, for Marasov, you know? Then suddenly yeah. oh this giant squid monster suddenly is 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 that thing so like like Yeah, I, I yeah I agree. On, no no actually I agree, I agree with you on that. On that end, right? I think it might have been better if he had been a willing accomplice rather than an unwilling accomplice. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I yeah, I think it's completely within his personality to have done anything it took to try and bring her back, even knowing what Riven was. So yeah, I, I definitely would agree with that. But I, I, on the note of like humanoid enemies, like one thing I think that's a massive misopportunity is in the latest expansion of Shadow Keep, right? That like Shadow Keep's whole selling point was they were telling us like, you know, you're gonna fight your nightmares, you're gonna fight all the enemies from your past and all the things that haunt you, right? And yeah. And when we actually got to, like, that final mission, like, it was cool in the sense that, like, for players like you, you got to experience things from Destiny 1, like Krota, which was, like, you know, something that, like, you've heard of a lot, but you've never seen yourself. But I, I really feel it's a missed opportunity that, that they should have put Kate there. Yeah. Definitely. Because, like, yeah, because, I mean, like, and, and they sort of set that up as well. They showed, like, Eris was being haunted by her own fire team, right? Whose death she was not responsible for, but that she felt responsible for. And in a similar manner, like, it's shown that our guardian feels responsible for Kate's death, even though we are we're not actually responsible. Hmm. So yeah, I Anyways, feel like yeah. they yeah. didn't do humanoid enemies because of E for everyone rating. I I I, I can't <laughs> confirm that, but I think that's maybe <laughs> part of the reason. No, but can't be because you got your your you got your your fallen enemies are humanoid. Yeah, which which is very odd. So to yeah. say the least. So I'm mm. not sure why why they chose to do that. Yeah. Well, you know, on that note, though, that does bring us into another interesting topic, you know, when we're talking about, like, Krota and stuff, which is the raids. So, let's talk about raids for a little bit, right? Like, so, so for, for those of you listening that, that are, you know, so, again, if you're listening and you're not sure what Destiny is, I commend you for staying on this long, and I hope you're enjoying it. So, in Destiny, there are activities called raids, and um, what raids are is that, basically, you're taking all the Destiny mechanics of shooting and killing things, right? But you're adding on new layers of mechanics onto it, so that while shooting and killing things and while fighting for your life, you also have to solve pro- like you know puzzles and you have to do challenges that are require an insane amount of cooperation between you and five other people. And like des- raids are something that Destiny is famously known for. It's one I th- I would honestly say I think it's one of the biggest marketing points they have in terms of their PVE experience. Mm-hmm. 
So what do you what do you think about raids? Let's talk about raids for a bit. Okay, I really like uh raiding as a whole before Shadow Keep. Mainly mm-hmm. because uh what what happened was um in New Light. I've said this many times before, but in New Light, uh there's a lot of things that were broken in terms mm. of uh finding a raid team, you know. Mm. So back back then I was very into the game before Shadow Keep before it, yeah. the game transferred to Steam. Because everyone who had the game, who is still playing the game, had the same amount of interest as me, like, for the most part, you know? So yeah. they wouldn't... So, so as John said, uh, this raid activity requires insane amounts of cooperation with five other people, you know? And if it's total strangers, it's gonna be quite hard to coordinate that. But because back in... Before New Light, everyone had the roughly the same amount of interest as everyone else, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, we really like this game, that's why it was staying on this long. That yeah. they wouldn't lie about, oh, hey, I, I know how to do this uh, puzzle, I know how to coordinate with you guys, you know? But mm. but now, that's, that's, that's mostly all you see, because people are just there to get the loot, which is what which is not what the raid is mm-hmm. about, you know? Like, yes, you, you do want to get raid loot and all, and all that, but like, is, is you're also there for the experiences and the fun you have with your mm-hmm. fellow... Guardians, uh, basically. Actually, I, actually, I don't know. You know, I would, I would play devil's advocate and and say that it's it's about the loot. Like, like, like that's like the raid loot is always designed to be incredibly visually appealing. Like, you know, like, and I think that's true of, I would yeah, say yeah, every but, raid. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I, but I'm saying that all the people who go into a raid care about is loot at this day, these days. You know. I, I don't. But I, I really think it's much different. So, like, like for me, the big reason I never raided in Destiny One, right, was that um, I actually did try. I did try LFG uh, a couple of times to do uh, Vault of Glass and things like that. But my main reason for doing Vault of Glass was that um, just just like everyone else, like you know, you you wanted the. You, well, I think number one, I did it because I wanted like, I wanted to experience the full game. Like you know, it felt that like without raiding, I wasn't experiencing everything the game had to offer. But the other thing as well was that like. Um, there was the exotic, the Vex Mytho class. They're like, you yep. know, that was just so damn unique, like everyone wanted it. And another thing as well that was really cool was that um, for the Vault of Glass, it was the only uh, activity that would give you a pure white shader. So you could color your character like pure white. So if you saw anyone that was pure white, you're like, oh yeah, this, this dude's gone through, you know, Vault of Glass. They've come out the other side. And, um, and but, but first time I messed up as well, like, you know, I was new and so on. And uh, I was kicked almost straight away when I didn't know how to do like the Oracle and things like that. Uh, and on my second group, I managed to make it through, but I got disconnected last second and I didn't get the shader. But I did get um, a weapon drop and so on. But I think going going back to it, right? Like, I think, I mean, I th- the game is designed that way though, right? Like, as much as Bungie wants us to have fun with it and so on, like, there is still always the motivator to do something, which is the loot. Like, like okay, for example, if the argument is that, like, you know, it's about the experience, right? Then Grandmaster Nightfall will be doing well. Because Grandmaster Nightfall doesn't really drop any any specific or any unique loot. It's just meant to be a challenging experience. But the reason it's getting, you know, so much hate on the Reddit on the on the community is because it doesn't drop the loot. So I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily think, say that, you know. I think you misunderstood what I was saying. I I'll no, I was saying yeah. that uh, sure, sure. now now in the raids, right? I mm. this is, I, I don't mind you going for loot, you know, everyone's going for loot, right? Yeah. But don't just don't lie about stuff, you know. Like like it's it's gotten oh, quite oh, okay, 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 okay. What 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 you mean yeah, to say yeah. basically is that it's loot at all costs. What you're saying? Yeah, loot 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 at all costs. Yeah, for for the most part, like uh, there's always at least two or one or two people at, uh, now nowadays. I've mm. tried LFG probably about five times. I I, I know how toxic it can get. Yeah. Like oh this this guy doesn't know how to do. He doesn't say. And then halfway mm. through the encounter, we wipe because of something that he did not know how to do. And then. Yeah. He's like, oh, okay, I, I was at clear for this. You know, like, like come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But then, then what? Let's, um, let's take a moment and let's talk about the, the raids themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, like, you know their, their design and our experiences going through them and things like that. Like, I think, I think the first raid that you and I did together was what? Was it Last Wish? Oh, no, 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 I think it was Scourge. Yeah, Scourge, yeah. Definitely. Scourge, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, like, you know, let's, let's, let's chat a little bit about Scourge. So, like, I think Scourge of the past is... Destiny's easiest raid. I think yeah. sometimes it's yeah. enhanced strike. It's the enhanced strike. But I think even with that the the moniker of easiest raid, it's still not actually easy to do without, you know, every, everyone having communication and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I've ever had experiences where for the last encounter, mm. no one knew how to stand at the correct place. So mm. we kept wiping and wiping and I got so peeved. 
because they mm. I, I I kept telling them okay we're well, uh, we're gonna do this and everyone make make sure to be in the correct place. They wouldn't listen, so I mm. I just like said screw it. I just left. Yeah, it was it was not worth. So, so there, there, there's there's yeah. where raids come in as in like end game activity and also yeah. like fun la. Like you can have you can have no fun, you can have a lot of fun. But the thing yeah. is like you need to cooperate la. It, it yeah. builds that sense of uh oh these these are actual people I'm playing with. You know like like yeah. they have their own things to do. They have their own morals and it, it's it's very interesting. It's very interesting that aspect. Could you quickly tell them a, bit, a bit, tell me a bit more about that, right? Like I was just about to ask that, like you know, like let's say we compare a strike to a raid, right? Like with a strike, you, you don't need you don't need communication, you don't need to be synchronized, right? You can just go through a strike. And yeah. like now you know you mentioned that like you know with the raid, you you realize that your teammates are like real people. Like what do you mean by that? Like you, you realize that because okay, so basically in strikes, what you have is you have random teammates. They just come and come and go very fast, you know. But but mm. but these people, you know, it takes a while to find them. It takes mm. a while to get to the point where, hey, you can say that, oh, I I know what this guy does, how this guy functions, like mm. in the raid as as a player. Yeah. So like you 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 never get that sense of like community in a strike, you know. Mm. So so it's a sense of it's a sense of like you're getting to you're actually getting to know someone that it starts to transcend yeah, this yeah, simple yeah. gaming experience. Yeah, definitely. So that, mm. that that's why raids are very interesting for me. Like like I was playing a raid before Shadow Keep came out. I was playing uh, Crown of Sorrow, right? Mm. And I w- in Crown of Sorrow, what happens is that uh you are teamed up with one other player for the basically the whole raid. So yeah. it's six people, three teams or two. And after the raid, my teammate, my teammate told me like it's very it's very heartwarming to hear this. He's like, you're you're one of the best teammates I've ever had in this raid. Mm. That's why he told me. Mainly because yeah. I ran the raid so many times. But also mm-hmm. because he said you were always there when 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 I needed you, you know, that kind of thing. So it's it's like a it builds this sense of hey, these these people are like Destiny community, you know? This and kind of camaraderie. Yeah, yeah, this kind of camaraderie you find is very unique to Destiny itself. Yeah. I, I think I think yeah, I, I agree. Like like I I've played other cooperative games with, with friends before, like you know, stuff like um like Minecraft, um, and a couple of other things that I can't quite jump to mind. I like GTA as well, but like, like, like it's like what you say. They don't really have that same sense sense of it, right? Mm. That like, like, like with Minecraft, it's so open ended and the world is so big. You can just go about and do your own thing, and you don't really have to interact with other people unless you want to, right? Like yeah. you know, everything is very much on your own terms. And then with with GTA, like one skilled player can make up for everyone else's inadequacy. You know, you can completely ride on one person's stuff. But I think that's where like a destiny raid is unique in that sense, right? That like, like number one, you have to interact and you have to communicate with people. You know, you can't just like no matter how good you are, the raid is designed and it can't be done by one person. You know, so that that makes you yeah. need to communicate. And I think like you said, that the second part of it is that like, you know, it is hard. There are things you have to learn, and you have to learn these things together. At the end, everyone wants to get the get through. Everyone wants to pass the raid, and you know, and hopefully people are not toxic. And you encourage one another, and you try to find out what one another is good at, rather than like you know doing anything else. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, Whenever I hear someone say, "Oh, I don't know how to do this encounter," you know, everyone's like, "Oh, okay, let's let's teach this guy," you know. Mm, but then yeah. you have those people who don't tell anyone, like, "Oh, I don't know how to do this." They say, "Oh, I did this before, but I was uh this other mm. role," you know. It's it's just horrible to hear that, cause yeah, everyone, mm. everyone everyone knows what they're doing. They're trying their best. Yeah. And then you got this guy who doesn't want to try at all. You know. Yeah. Whenever I hear that, that's why that's why I get. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, yeah, but but the rates can definitely be places where you meet new friends. You know, yeah, it's it's, very, it's a very fun experience, uh. Yeah, and 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 I think you're right as well. Like like I like I like that sort of element of it where you start to learn, you know, what people are good at, what people are bad at, right? And then you go accordingly. Yeah. Like yeah. Like, like for us, like we we've been doing the prestige Leviathan a lot recently, right? Yeah. So like um, so the Leviathan is the Destiny 2's original raid, and we've been running it a lot recently because we've been trying to get some of the loot that um a couple of our members don't have. But for the prestige version, it adds a couple more new mechanics that uh, to make that to make things a lot more complicated. So there's one section where at the end, right, three people will go into like a different dimension, and they have to call out symbols to the person that's left in the original dimension. So I I intentionally don't do this because like I've had I've had so many bad experiences in that shadow dimension <laughs> that I just I just don't I, I don't want to stress about it, so I don't go in. And I know that that generally like I play a warlock, right, and I'm very good at surviving. So I choose to stay outside, and I, and I also and now I also learned that like um, 
that our that your your friend has joined us, Isaac, right? He's the same as me. Like like he just doesn't want to stress about that kind of stuff. Yeah. And and, and it's nice to play with a group that you know, that you guys understand. We we like like the distress is going to be very like it really gets to us. So like you guys don't mind if we stay outside and we do a different role. So it's yeah, nice yeah. as well, like you mentioned, you, know, you build up these kind of relationships, these kind of um, uh, friendships along the way. It's the same thing with the dogs, you know. There's one encounter where we have to be stealthy, you know, like crawl around, and there's two people that are calling out, oh, you're supposed to go here, there. And if uh, if the one of the dogs, the enemy, sees you, um, everyone has to either restart the encounter, or we mm. go around, or we just like try and hide and try to do it again. Yeah. So I'm I'm very bad at the navigation but navigation but mainly mm. because I care too much about everyone else to like <laughs> care about myself. Mm. So so what, what what happened once was I was I was the one navigating, right? And mm. um I was looking at people near me, like a whole a whole group of friends, and they were moving to one location, right? Mm-hmm. But but in the end, right, I was thinking so much about the my other navigator on the other side of the map that I that I started to call out his his spot and the people on the ground were getting confused. Yeah. So we ended up failing the encounter. You know. So it's the same same experience in one of the other raids, like I remember Crown of Sorrow. Mm-hmm. Um I mentioned Crown of Sorrow with the two teams of three, right? Yeah. I am never on my own team. Uh, during the boss fight, because I, I like to help people get to where they need to be, mm. and I intentionally stress myself out more. Because uh, mm. what happens is that, uh, when there's a mechanic where people need to get buffed, or mm. or let's let's say someone dies in the middle of the encounter and they have, they have to be rest, but his teammate, because it's two teams or three, his teammate is left alone to deal with his deal with everything because uh, his teammate is gone, right? Yeah. So I I end up leaving my teammate behind. After I know that everything is is alright, and I run mm. over to help the guy that's alone, right? Yeah. So I I have that sense of like, I don't know, it's like, it's a sense of duty to help other people, even though they're not yeah. my my problem, you know? Yeah. No, I I I I get what you mean. I I think it's like it's it's because like you're all in this together, right? Like if it was a strike, yeah. it doesn't really matter if that person dies, correct? Because what matters is getting the boss down. But in this yeah. particular case, if that person goes down, like there's no other way. So I think maybe at first it starts out of a sense of like self-preservation you know you want to make sure your effort and your time is worth it but i think after a while right it just starts to like like you mentioned this camaraderie comes into effect like you, know, you want to make sure that your friend feels successful as well you want to help fill in for those gaps like yeah. like 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 same for me like whenever we were doing a raid right and whenever it's this kind of pairings i always try to pair with the with the weakest person because i usually play healer so like you know i usually can can, sh- can shoot out about like six heals if i'm fully stocked up and things like that you know like five uh four with lumina and then two with uh, warlock so yeah, so yeah, I definitely get what I mean, and I, and yeah, I think I think I agree with you. I think of all the activities in Destiny, right? Like raids are really that one where like you really start to to get to know people and things like that, you know, after going through stuff. And you know, I I think maybe I might equate it a lot to like uh, the kind of stuff that happens in um, like national service. So if there's anyone listening who is not Singaporean, like in general in Singapore, like all males have to go through two years of uh, mandatory military service, right? So I've gone through it. Um, Ian has yet to go through it, and in a, in a very similar manner, like you no, know, you all put it together. One person suffer, all of you suffer, and and raids are a lot like that. If one person suffers, everyone's gonna suffer. Mm. So so I think I think that's interesting, but I also think uh, so yeah. But I think there's one other element as well that's that's also quite nice, which is that it's like uh, okay. So I'm, this might be a little bit of a controversial opinion as well, but I don't okay. So right now in the community, like there's a lot of people that don't like the fact that Destiny there's a lot of bounties. So what's a bounty in Destiny is where you can go to like a vendor and you can do tasks for the vendor, like kill 10 enemies with this kind of weapon, you know, or do this in this activity and so on and so forth. So this is, this is currently in Destiny, this is the primary way you use to grind out rewards and activities. So it's honestly, even for me, it's a bit tiring, but when you have a couple of friends online, it's not that bad because then you're just, you're just grinding out bounties while hanging out with your friends, you know. It's a very sort of low stress environment that allows you to hang out with people while feeling giving you an illusion of productivity because you you are still playing a game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like I, I mainly play Destiny now because of you guys like like um like raids and maybe like Colin wants to play Gambit. Colin is another mutual fan of ours. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it's very fun to play with you guys because there's something to talk about that's like 
there's like experiences we can share, you know? Yeah. But we but like just grinding solo, it's very it gets very it gets very old. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I I'd agree. I, I think like a lot of people when they when they talk about like the thing that like the reason they stay with Destiny, it's just because the gameplay and the gunplay is so good. Like the game yeah, it feels, has, feels good, it feels good to, to play. And I think that's something that Bungie has just really always gotten. Like, I, I honestly, I think Halo One was a little bit painful when I go back and replay it. But by Halo Two, they they really got it down how things are supposed to feel, you know, how to make you feel powerful, but but not um, overpowered in that manner. And then yeah. like what you say, like you know, like on on your own, there's not really much of a reason to do it. But when you're with someone else, then you then you're able to like your mind can take a back seat to like productivity, like oh, well, I mean as much productivity as you can have in a game, and you just have to enjoy the experience of it again. It's like, oh, uh, you still need to do this bounty? Okay, let, let's go ahead and do it. Because, like, you don't mind helping out a friend, you know? Yeah, yeah, e- exactly. Oh, yeah. Like, you just, it, you just go ahead. It, it brings back those kind of, like, couch co-op feelings, you know, from, like, older games. Yeah, they really capture that, like, essence of a game that is fun to play with friends. Like, like other games, like, competitive games like CSGO, Overwatch, you know, they're, they're not as fun to play yeah. with friends. Even though they yeah, are I better agree. with friends. You know, mm. you, you, you get that sentiment. Yeah, I, I think I think perhaps the reason for that is that like games like CS:GO and Overwatch, the goal is to win win this game, right? To to win something. And I mean, I mean, yeah, in, in Destiny that can be said as well. Like you know, you want to win the raid, you want to do that. But for a lot of the activities in Destiny, you're not winning at the expense of someone else. You know, it's completely co- cooperative. Yeah. Even yeah. In, yeah. Even in things like Gambit, where it's like player versus player versus enemy, a lot of it is still very cooperative in nature. Like you know. Yeah. And and I think yeah, like like it, that, I think that's what makes that difference. That the goal is not to win, but the goal is to have a good experience from it as well. Like, like, like you want to have fun playing it. As well. Yeah, and, and actually, you know, what? I think I think that's also like it's a kind of same sentiment. That's why so many people, I think ourselves included, like the idea of like boss melting, right? Because yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, like like boss melting shows like a certain amount of like mastery in it. So when we say boss melting, what we're referring to is that like many bosses in Destiny are designed to be fought in phases. Like, you know, you, you do something and you can trigger a damage phase, you damage him once, then you do the thing again, you damage him twice, you do the thing again, you kill him on his third damage phase. But usually, a lot of players, ourselves included, have tried our best to optimize so that we're able to melt the boss down and kill him in one phase. But the thing is that, like, even though this is something that is a problem for the developers when they're trying to balance stuff out, it's incredibly fun for players like us because... It, it, to, to pull that off really shows the kind of cooperation and coordination you had to really get that down. So, yes, yeah, like, like, it, yeah and, and Bungie has said, like, oh, p- people don't like to be assigned roles to this. Like, for example, there are a few classes in the game. There's hunt- Warlocks, Hunters, and Titans. So yeah. Hunters have a really high damage ability where one yeah. shot can do about, like, a big, like, maybe one six chunk of the boss's HP, you know? Mm-hmm. and like they they think that oh like I'm a hunter right I want to mm-hmm. use my abilities to kill kill stuff you know and I don't want to yeah. be conformed to this kind of like oh I must I must use this to yeah. damage the boss but but with friends you you don't really feel that you feel like hey um we're doing this for the for the bigger picture you know like for example warlocks are mostly healer class so we have to run uh, something called well radiance yeah. which is basically a spot where uh, everyone gets healed up to full and does more damage. So I, I don't mind changing to that, like, in the raid, because, oh, I my friends need it, you know, and we we decide to, oh, we, we want to uh, cooperate enough to melt the boss down. Yeah. So actually, this, this is an area I think I, I disagree with you. That, like, so so for me, like, I don't I don't mind having support abilities, right? Um, so, okay, I think this is also, like, a, a point I mean, coming from Destiny 1, that in Destiny 1, you, you could you could customize your, your abilities, right? I could choose what grenade I wanted. I could choose what movement type I wanted. I could choose what my, my ABC abilities were. And I could choose what super I wanted, right? These were all choices I could make to customize something for myself. Mm-hmm. But when Destiny 2 rolled around, they still like to choose your grenade. They still like to choose your movement, but they don't allow you to choose ability A, B, and C. Ability A, B, and C are now packaged with a certain super, right? So, like... So like let's say for like me for me personally right like like I don't mind running the the well of radiant super which is the super that you normally use in a raid because it gives you more damage and it gives you healing during a boss phase, right? But to you to do this means that I lose out on the unique melee ability of like celestial fire, which is I mean where I'm able to shoot like three firebolts towards an enemy, and a lot of my builds revolve around those three firebolts. So by being forced to do like 
the well radiance, I can't use that melee ability for anything else, basically, you know. So I think to, to that extent, I, I sort of get where Bungie is coming from because I, I do feel that time to time, like before the whole auto reload nerf, I felt that I always had to play well radiance because we relied on the auto reload so much. And now that Titans have the bubble, it's nice because I, I, I get to play like a bit, sometimes a bit of the more fun DPS kind of stuff, like Stormcaller. And uh, it's not something I could usually do in a raid before because I always had to have a well. Otherwise, we risk doing it in two or three phases, which means we risk failing. So I, I think there's a balance to be struck there. Like, I do agree with, it, with the sentiment. I don't mind being a team player, you know, in those kind of circumstances. But I think you also do want to have those kind of hero moments as well, you know, as much as you want to be a healer. Ideally, you're able to mix both of them together. Yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from as well. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I, I think the thing is just just two two sort of different different views about you know how that process is like, pigeonholing like um, classes into roles. I'm okay with that, right? Because like if you want to be a different role, you play something else, right? Like like I I feel no urge to do a massive amount of damage to the boss, so I've never tried to play hunter because it just I just that's not the kind of play style that appeals to me, right? So like um likewise if like like you I mean you play all three classes, right? So when you feel like playing a particular thing, you just switch to whatever whatever that class is. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe what I would say is that like in terms of pigeonholing abilities, I'd like it if like like let's 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 take your your most commonly pigeonholed things, right? Usually you're forced to play a certain class because it grants you a damage boost or it grants the boss a debuff. It's always one of these two things without fail, right? In the raid, yeah. Mm. So I think the way that you know like Bungie's trying to mitigate this is by introducing in new exotics. Right, so like exotics are weapons that weapons and armor that have their own special abilities. So it's not that they do more damage; they have uniquely special abilities. And one of the recent raids introduced a weapon called Divinity, and Divinity is a weapon that allows you to apply a debuff to an enemy. So this is a big thing because, to, to my knowledge, right, this is the first time you have a weapon that allows you to apply an active debuff to, to the enemy without requiring you to be a specific class or a specific subclass. And, and I think that changed a lot of how we we do things. Like in our most recent raid, I was using um, Divinity a lot of the time to try and uh, debuff the boss for us. But yeah. So a bit extra choice. La. But mm. I still feel that... Um, yeah, I, I do agree that maybe there should be... Uh, even though there can't be, there should be a change back to what it was in Destiny 1 because it sounds... Way more interesting because I I've honestly forgotten about that fact mm. where you can change everything to your liking. It, it was a I, I mean I can understand why they don't do it right They're like because the, that system is by its nature very broken because you can make yeah. builds that are very uh, that are crazy, but at the same time I mean like like that's that's part of the fun of it as well isn't it like you know that like you have that that freedom to to experiment. Yeah. But, yeah, you know I, I guess. Like, hey, I want to play I want to play Dawnblade. Then I have a healing in my. Grenade, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, precisely. Like, 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 okay, like, let's say hypothetically, we go by the kind of system, right? I would probably go like Well of Radiance, right? So I can, I can have the bo- my boss DPS. Then I would go Celestial Fire, so I have a ranged melee attack. And then I would use Sun Braces. So, because when Sun Braces come in, like when I, when I get a melee kill, it triggers Sun Braces, and I can throw five grenades without recharge. So, if I can throw five grenades without recharge, and I have my Well of Radiance, that means I can throw five orbs of healing. So every time, like before a DPS encounter, I can just max out and just like make sure everyone's gonna make it to, to the DPS circle. You know what I mean? Mm. And, like that stuff, that stuff I love to experiment with, but I can, but I can, I can understand. You know, as much as I don't like it, I can understand why the system that won't go there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, tell you what, let's let's deviate to like something else a little bit for a while, right? There's another part of raids as well, which is your music and your art. The music and the art is like an anchor point for me. Like it's yeah. why I stayed in the game for so long. Because I'm, mm. I'm the type of guy who loves graphics and how things look. Like, mm. a good example would be a recent gun that was introduced is uh, Four Horsemen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a freaking shotgun with four barrels. How can that not look amazing, yeah. right? Yeah, so the another thing that really drew me in was the environments and the skyboxes where, man, Banshee can do skyboxes very well. Yeah. You like, feel... You feel so much of the universe by just looking up into the sky, you know. Yeah, it's it's really amazing how they do that, right? Because like I mean, I mean, like like we know that logically this is probably like a flat two D image, but just the way that it's drawn and the way that it's inserted into scenes, like it never feels fake. It feels like if the map extended to it, you actually could walk towards it and things like that. Yeah, like, it's, I, it's just done so well. 
like especially in the first mission of uh the main campaign like red war you mm. were walking you were injured you know you're walking away from from the your home the tower you know and yeah. you just look at the environment around you it's absolutely stunning yeah and and, and i think i think even a bigger part of that is the music as well because like a lot yeah, of these yeah, things yeah. that we're talking about like the music is what really makes it like that like that one mission you're talking about right like 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 you're, you're down and broken like you know you essentially you've been reduced to level one like there's nothing you have to your name no weapon at all and like you're just making this long trek trying to survive and it, and it plays this incredibly sorrowful piece of music right that just emphasizes everything around you emphasizes the loneliness emphasizes the lack of power and it's just so beautiful the way that that's executed and then you get the same the other side you're running towards the boss you know and the same piece of music plays but it's it's the end of the track and it's becoming more triumphant than sorrowful you know mm. that, that that is destiny 2 honestly has i think one of the is i think is the best music music uh in any video game i've ever seen because it the music makes half the game yeah so being a massive legend of zelda fan i would definitely dispute that <laughs> but i do i do agree that it's definitely among among the greats for sure, sure. okay i i will say zelda is are tracks that you will listen to outside of the game but destiny 2 just in the tracks make you feel something it's very powerful in context yeah of what's the yeah, ways being shown yeah, I, yeah I, would exactly. I would agree like like you have a raid like like last wish you know Mm. Um, during the last encounter, okay, so we, we just killed the big boss and we have to carry its heart. And the music that plays when the first person picks up the ball is like, it's insanely. It makes you so, like, how was the better word to say this? It makes you so. Inspired? Like, inspired and nervous to what's gonna happen next, you know? Like, yeah. oh, it's like, this this insane piece of uh, violin is playing, you know? Like, it's like, it just makes you very feel very stress but at the same time motivated to run run like the wind you know and and make it to the end yeah i, I think i think actually on the note as well like bunchy really balances like your your activity music and your and your like uh, emotional tracks very well like, like like you mentioned right like like in this last wish raid like like that piece of music is great right but also you hear that piece of music so many times because that part of the raid is an area where it's very common to die because it requires pinpoint precision if one person messes up it's very likely you have to repeat but the way that the music is constructed, it, it doesn't really get that monotonous monotonous to, to listen to, right? Like, yeah, exactly. for some reason or, or other, it, it's not annoying. But on the flip side, right, let's say like that, that very sort of music we just talked about, right? If I had, if I had to hear that piece over and over again, that would be annoying, yeah, right? Yeah. And, 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 but, but they, they do a very good job of balancing that up very well. Like the Garden of Salvation rate, there's a, there's a section where you, you're doing some platforming. But this platforming is not difficult platforming. It visually looks difficult, but I've I've yet to see someone that that you know couldn't get past it, right? And it's at this point where like you know they know people are not going to repeat it that they play like this this wonderful track that really brings in you in, into like the awe of the scale of the garden and things like that. Mm-hmm. And you don't hear that track anywhere else because like that's just the purpose of it. it's meant to give you the sense of awe before you fight the final boss of of this encounter. Yeah. You know? So like, they, yeah, their their music and their sound design are really on point. Um. I, I believe that I know that there's a few different composers among them. Um, I'm not sure if Martin O'Donnell is still with them and he's uh, still no, doing the main stuff. I need to double uh, check. Martin O'Donnell is not with them. It's um, hmm. I think it's Michael Salvatore. That guy. Oh, Salvatore, yeah, yeah, yeah. Salvatore, Salvatore, yes, Salvatore. Oh, like, what, what, what was O'Donnell's last piece of work on Destiny? Was it music or the Spears? It was, it was in Destiny one, so I don't really recall. Hmm. But yeah, yeah, Salvatore is really good. Yeah, he's, really, really good. His yeah. the music just. Yeah, the music and visuals make up half the game. Yeah, I I think just I think and this is I think a good lesson for any video game in general, right? Like, I feel a lot of video games, right, have lost the importance of sound, sound and music in their design. You know, yeah, yeah. like, like um. Okay, so I didn't I didn't play God of God of War the new one, but I I watched the whole thing, and while it was a it was a fantastic experience, right? Just imagine if you had like someone like Michael Salvatore scoring it. You know I how much more poignant that would have been. Because um, you oh, don't really? you, you don't really feel like I I've played the entire game like twice through like once on the hardest difficulty once on normal you know and I would say mm-hmm. that the music is still fantastic for for the thing like for for the environments you're in so mm. so yeah it, it's is I think but you're I, I guess more you're more thinking more of, right? yeah, yeah you have to play it to be to like feel it lah. Hmm. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. 
But uh, yeah. I think you're thinking more of like, um, how to say this, different games. Uh. Like, oh, hmm. what was the game that came out recently? I forgot. Uh, yeah, so... Other g- Animal Crossing, right? <laughs> no, 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 Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing is different. Um, <laughs> the, other, the other games are... Ooh, I I I I, I will think about some because like yeah. I I I see where you're coming from, but mm. um I think God of War is is, is not one to critique. Uh. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Like like yeah, like I said, like I mentioned, like I haven't played that game yet. So true, yeah. I I, I really need to give that a try. Like it's only on PS Five, is it? I mean PS Four. Yeah, PS Four, yeah. Mm. But yeah, so anyway, heading heading back to it, right? Okay, so like I think we'll go we'll go for a while longer, and then we'll call it we'll call it a session because we're almost at the one hour mark. Mm, okay. So let's talk a little bit, right? Like about um. I think just two more two more topics. You know, what are our hopes and fears for Destiny? So I think like I'll let me, so let's say I go I'll go first, right? So I think like um I think true with all, I really only have one fear for Destiny, which is the fear that Bungie closes. Ooh, like yeah. like like as you know, as much as I've complained about it in the past, like there really is still nothing like Destiny out there. Like, you know, like other games have tried, but they just haven't gotten that that formula right. Like I think the, I think the closest one that came to it was Anthem. Right, but but Anthem was plagued by its own set of problems. But I I actually do believe that even if Anthem didn't have all its launch problems, it still wouldn't have worked as well. Because when I tried the Anthem beta, right, it just it wasn't as fun as Destiny, like the base yeah, gameplay. Definitely, you know, and yeah, and, and I I just can't think of any other game out there that like the base gameplay is just that fun that can be translated so easily. Because like most MMOs, they are very um they're very uh tactical in nature right you're, you're picking the place or you're very starting out like there's not that many that immerse you so deeply in gameplay in an, in an mmo sense right because like there's nothing more immersive gameplay wise than like a fps where it, like your character reacts as fast as you react like with like third person shooters and stuff like you're still shooting around corners and things like that right yeah so i think i think that my, my only fear is just something like that that Bungie closes down because they, they've had their ups and downs for for sure for sure but I do see this, this genuine train of improvement with them, and unfortunately, you know, it, it's hard for us to know, you know, what like in, in like all of a lot in all the missteps within Destiny One, Destiny Two, we, we I don't think we'll ever really know what what which of those missteps were Bungie directly, which of those missteps were Activision, but at least you know in general from the direction that I see and from like the kind of communication we have, I do feel that you know Bungie cares about the game, you know I don't think I don't think that. This is just money making to them. I think money making is important. You know, they have salaries and they have people to pay, but they have something that they want to share with us here. You know, and and I trust in in that as much as I can. So I think for me, that's probably my biggest fear for Destiny. Mm. How about you? My fear is that it's much more of like okay. So what what's happening to the game now is that there's stagnating, right? Yeah. Because the content is slower than what was expected. You know, mm. um understandably so, but still it's yeah. not it's not there. And also mm. what what's happening now is that there's a lot of things for them to be to worry about, you know, like oh crucible hackers, you know, because of the free game nature. Mm. You know, like uh impressing people with expansions, you know. Yeah, it is it's time to stretch them very thin. Yeah, so I'm worried that the game will go to become too much like a free game. Like if anyone knows about Warframe, have you have you played Warframe? Yeah, but I I, I tried it for like I think three or four hours and I gave up on it. Like it just uh, it was a bit too yeah, the, easy. Yeah, the essence uh-huh. of the game is um is is grindy, you know, like it's like mm. a mobile game in a sense. So you have mm. you have your missions, you go do them, you come back, you craft stuff. Crafting takes like maybe one day, you know. Like a few hours. Yeah. You know, like I, I fear that Destiny 2 will go down the same path because Warframe, what happens with the maps is that each planet or even multiple planets will have the same set of pre pre made um assets, like rooms and yeah. places with enemies. And you mm-hmm. just like after playing it for for like more than let's say ten hours, you know. You start to feel like, hey, I've seen this place before. You know, they just re- they keep reusing assets. It's getting it gets very boring. I'm worried Destiny will go down yeah. that path because they don't have as much resources as before. Yeah, I I, I don't I, I don't think it will happen, but I have I just worried that it might 
because of the resource restraints. But mm. yeah, so that's one of my fears. Uh. Yeah, yeah, I, I get it. Become too much like a free game. Because because this is this is not meant to be a free game. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I agree with you. Like um I think I think and I, I think this also like like goes into like the next part, which is like what are our hopes for Destiny? And I think like my hopes in that aspect is that like I hope that they start to work with the community a bit more. Like and, and, and I think you yeah, know, I I've spoken to you about this like a couple of times as well, in that like Destiny, I think when it first started out, like you know, Bungie is a triple A game studio, you know, and like the way AAA games are developed is very specific. Like, you know, you, you, you try and develop in secrecy, you try and surprise your audience, and so on and so forth. Like, you definitely have your, your testing and things like that that every game must have, but a lot of your stuff is generally kept hush-hush to try and surprise people, right? Mm-hmm. But, like you mentioned as well, like, Destiny is not a free game, and like it, it shouldn't be, like, that kind of free game model like what Warframe is. But at the same time, right, I don't think it should be the AAA model either, because... It just it just doesn't suit what they're trying to do. Like like a long form game that doesn't quite work that way. Like you know like like there's no there's no AAA title that that just goes on and on like that. Like I think the closest example I'd have is like uh, Grand Theft Auto Five, right? Mm-hmm. That it was sold as a AAA game, but the multiplayer is a whole different thing. Like for the the multiplayer, like they have like a new update every three months and things like that, you know. And like and, and they know very clearly what the identity of Grand Theft Auto is, which is the identity is that like. You want to be like you want to basically think of this world as your sandbox, and they keep adding crazier and crazier stuff to let you do that. Yeah. And and with Destiny, I think what I hope for I hope for them to see is I hope for them to like, you know, work with the community a bit more, right? And to and to take a little bit less risk. Like I understand that like you know it might spoil the surprise for some of us, but like we 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 both want you know like we as players we want something that we can play for a long time because I think also like in today's world. Like there's there's a bit of fatigue with with gaming and sort of so many different games and platforms, right? Yeah. Like I think yeah I, I think like one reason I'm stuck with Destiny is that like it's just it's just sort of like easy you know I just like I don't have to think about it I can go on Destiny I can grind my friends and we can achieve something you know today and things like that mm-hmm. I don't have to play a three or four different games to keep up with people, and I think I hope that, that you know that they start to really work with players more to try and find a model that works for both of us you know something that keeps us entertained and and active you know and by the same time right something that has enough creative control to keep them inspired, and that it's also profitable enough for them to earn money for. And there's there's no easy answer to it, which is yeah. which is quite disappointing. Because <laughs> because I really want to keep getting. I, I think that's true. Of, I think that's true of most things in life. Most things yeah. in life don't have an easy answer. Well, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. So I think I think maybe just like we can just end off on one thing here you know, that on the minor minor chance that. You know, this is ever heard by a Bungie employee or something, you know? Like, what's what's something we'd like to say to Bungie? I want to say, keep doing what you're doing, but that's not really working. So, what, what I will say is, I think uh, this is a team effort, you know, between developers and community. So, yeah. I would like to see more, like, maybe community polls, incentives, surveys, you know? I, I would willingly do a bunch of surveys to help the game improve. Cause, mm. cause you know, like, it's it's our it's our baby, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, 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 I get, I get what you mean. Though. Like after you put in so many hours, you start to feel emotional about it. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that. I, I share the same sentiment, but I think I'd also like you know if if like Bungie did hear this, I just want to just thank them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like you know, no, no matter no matter what the game is now and so on, like, it's 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 coming. I think for me, almost a decade now. Yeah, almost a decade for me. And I've just thoroughly enjoyed it, you know, the whole way through. You know, like, even in Destiny 1 when I was playing solo quite a lot, and now I have so much more enjoyment because I, I'm playing with, like, you know, with you guys as well. And it's just become such a, a part of my life. Like, it's introduced me to, to new people. It's, um, you know, it's made me appreciate a lot of finer elements of my design and things like that. And it's just, like, it's, it's really made me view even video gaming as a whole as a community activity, you know, which is not something I viewed it as before. Mm-hmm. So I think like yeah, so like for me like I share the same sentiment, but if you know Bungie, if you're listening, uh, you know just thanks. Yeah, thanks for making this game what it is. Yeah. So anyway, I think I think we can wrap that up. That's just over an hour. So, uh, so yeah, so this is a new podcast I'm doing. Uh, I am doing it in part because quarantine is driving me crazy, <laughs> but also in part because um. 
I like talking to people and I feel that sometimes like, you know, when, with, well, with your friends, especially you end up talking about the same things over and over again. So I think this podcast is an attempt of mine to, to talk with people about, you know, with, um, with deliberation, you know, and with um, intention, you know, and I hope that through this podcast, you know, the people I talk to, like even with you now that I get to, you know, know you a little better or that I get to like, you know, get to discuss and debate something. So um, for any people that are listening, again, I'm very surprised if you are, but very thankful if you are. Like, um, I don't think I'm going to be having any kind of specific topic for this podcast. It's going to be whatever catches my fancy. And uh, if you found this interesting, I hope you stick along. So yeah, so Ian, thanks for joining me today. Yep, no problem. It was fun talking about Disney. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. All right, man. Let's call it a game.